WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. Hi, this is Elmore Leonard. I'm, I'm listening to Film Sociology, and, and uh, it, it's a real program. It's great. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for Film Sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosie. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosie. film lovers welcome to film sociology a film talk show here on wfyi hd to the point and wfyi.org if you have a question or a comment you can email me at m that's m s o c e y at wfyi.org i'm also on facebook also on twitter at matthew Sosi. the show is available as a podcast and it's also available on itunes and we have a lot to cover today and whenever we have uh, an hour chock full of uh, various uh, subjects I, I like to bring in heavy hitters, and I brought one, a heavy, a hitter who is so heavy, she has her own intro. Here we go. <laughs> Money, Penny. What gives? Me, giving an ounce of encouragement. You never take me to dinner looking like this, James. You never take me to dinner, period. I would, you know. Only Anne would have me court-martialed for uh, illegal use of government property. Flattery will get you nowhere. But don't stop trying. I've never been to Istanbul. You've never been to Istanbul? Yeah. Well, the moonlight on the Bosphorus is irresistible. Maybe I should get you to take me there someday. I've tried everything else. Darling money, Penny. You know I never even look at another woman. Oh, really, James? <laughs> Let me tell you the secret of the world. Now, what do you know about gold money, Penny? Oh, the only gold I know about is the kind you wear. You know, on the third finger of your left hand. Hmm. Well, one of these days, we really must look into that. Well, what about tonight? You come around for dinner, and I'll cook you a beautiful angel cake. Oh, nothing would give me greater pleasure, but unfortunately, I do have a business appointment. That's the flimsiest excuse you've ever given me. Oh, well, some girls have all the luck. Who is she, James? She is me, Miss Moneypenny. And kindly admit the customary by-play with 007. He's dining with me. I don't want him to be late. So there's hope for me yet. Money, Penny. Won't you ever believe me? In you go, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, by the way, how was the girl? Which girl? Uh, the Chinese one we fixed you up with. Oh, another five minutes that I found out. Mm. She'll never know what she missed. Miss Money, Penny. Give 007 the password we've agreed with Japanese SIS. Yes, sir. We tried to think of something that you wouldn't forget. Yes. I love you. Repeat it, please, to make sure you get it. Don't worry. I get it. Your passport is quite in order. Well, anyone seeing you in that outfit, Money Penny, would most certainly be discouraged from leaving the country. What can I bring you back from Holland? A diamond in a ring. Would you settle for a tulip? Yes. Tap of the V's in the house. Hello there. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Oh, it's fun. It's it always is fun, fun when you're here. 
Well, it is fun, and I love that you've always called me Money Penny, and that now I have my own intro for it. That's yes, deeply and flattering. Yes, so that's that's just a, I could probably do a whole show of Money Penny bond, bond banter, but we haven't gotten to that show just yet. Well, I remember that being the first thing we bonded over back in the bookstore days. Yes, yeah, of our so, shared love of Lois Maxwell. So that's right, and, and and there's no disrespect toward Caroline Bliss or Samantha Bond or Naomi Harris. Everybody has their favorite, and uh, we're Team Lois. That's so right. There is that. Team now that I'm thinking, actually listening to that again, how how much fun is M at dinner? <laughs> Not a lot, right? A lot of lot of rare meat, a lot of stewed potatoes, boiled everything, a lot of sherry yeah. and port yeah. and and red wine, and no conversation. Yeah, no no ma- no talk of matches. You just hear anything. the clinking of the, the silverware on the plate. Makes and... makes Xanadu look like a Dorothy Parker. Yeah. <laughs> This is the, your pledge dollars at work, the high end stuff right, right here. Yeah. So, uh, and we'll, we're gonna we have a lot to cover today, and right. and in 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 lieu of timing, and sometimes uh, I mean we'll have everything from the Great American Read. We're gonna talk about Tab Hunter mm-hmm. and uh, some other stuff that's coming up. But I do want to mention there's a there's a opening in theaters this week. Um, Dwayne Johnson has his uh, Towering, Towering Inferno, Inferno yeah. Die Hard mashup. Uh, so so good for him. Here's. Mm, I have I have not seen this. You can see you can read reviews of of uh, skyscraper by some of my colleagues over here uh, at the Film Yap and Midwest Film Journal, and I'm 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 really happy that first off we don't have to call him the Rock. He is Dwayne Johnson. Right. Good for him. He's earned that. Um, he is a bankable movie star. Good for him on that. Get the big checks while you still can. I'm I'm not going to get into the political stuff because you know kind of like a movie until I see a poster or a trailer. I don't I'm not going to buy into it. I, I I will say this. There's then and then there's the is it a fake rivalry or not between him and Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel has one thing going for him that Dwayne has not done yet. Yet, Vin Diesel got to do a film directed by the late great Sidney Lumet <gasps> called Find Me Guilty, which I think is is Vin Diesel's best work. He plays a uh, he plays an informant who winds up uh, pointing the finger at his old bosses. And represents himself in court. What? It is an underrated crime drama, courtroom drama, from Sidney Lumet later in his life, also featuring Peter Dinklage, um, Annabella Sciorra, yeah, Annabella Sciorra, and and a few others. But it was the fact that he, you know here's a guy who takes direction, and th- and it's not saying that that Mr. Johnson does not take direction, but he he's working with a seasoned, famous director. Uh- Sidney Lumet is one of my favorite directors of all time. One is mine. So uh, as is mine. So yeah, wow. you should, yeah, you have to check into this. this I, is I can't l- believe I haven't seen early it. early aughts if I remember. I'm Actually, let's that check down. into what this. Was that Find me guilty. <laughs> all right. I always get the best new recommendations. That's t- I'm sorry, 2006. Right. So and 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 you know, Lamette is known for his courtroom dramas like, like The Verdict, like Twelve Angry Men, obviously his first. Um, Night Falls on Manhattan, but yeah, this this is a really underrated film and 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 it wasn't seen a whole lot. So anyway, but but I'm waiting for Dwayne Johnson to have his kind of smaller, lower budget to work with a good director, drama, to be a real actor. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Not so, just muscles. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know some some Amen. Do you enjoy looking at uh, at Dwayne? Uh, it's not too, my style. Too big. Too no, Steve Reeves. I'm a um to be honest, my crushes run to Jack Black and Penn Jillette. I have a and type. Salt and pepper NPR types. It's, well, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, this is. Yeah, I know. We also do Nick and Nora in our <laughs> spare time. So we'll get a dog and martinis and salt murders. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> so anyway, but skyscrapers opening. So, but yeah, I, it, it looks different than Rampage, maybe. Um, oh. But the, but that but that is out there. But uh, the one I'm really excited about, and this is uh, the follow-up. Finally, it's been I think eight years for uh, for the writer and director of Winter's Bone. Oh. Uh, her follow-up is called Leave No Trace, and this stars uh, Ben Foster. Um, good to see Ben in this. I, okay, I have to correct myself because I'm 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 not the greatest. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Deborah Gannick. Granick, sorry. Okay. This is she. This is her uh, follow up to Winter's Bone. I, I needed to write it. She also co wrote the screenplay, but it stars Ben Foster and Thomason McKenzie, 
as father and daughter who have been living in a public park in outside of Portland for several years. And what happens when they get caught and they are not thrown in jail, but they're thrown by public services, social services. Um, they wind up having to stay in a home of another gentleman and wind up doing work for him. So the, the point, what we see is some lovely, lovely chemistry between Mackenzie and Foster's character. It is it is father daughter, but it's also partners. Um, you see the good good big chunk of the first half hour or so is watching them live in the wild, um, coming in walking in the town every now and then for provisions, but really living outdoors. Mm. And as the film goes on, we find out that even though they have been given a home and clothes, and he has a job, and they wind up attending church, it's it's more. Uh, it's more suffocating yeah. than it was living out into the wild. It's something, and then, you know, not everybody can do that, but we we see right away that these two are capable of it. The other part that happens is, well, she's 13, and she, you know, as I've learned firsthand, uh, teenagers start to develop their own opinions and ideas, and they start to get, and they start to get stronger, hmm. much stronger. Go so yeah, go figure. So um, it's while Winter's Bone was kind of your cold. Uh, Ozark Noir, and and this is also another beautiful use of outdoor photography, uh, very natural lighting, very natural light, uh, but it's a warmer story. Uh, mm. Really, like I said, really nice. It, it's almost I, I I first started thinking of Atticus and Scout, as far as that. It's not you know, dad's up here, child's down here. Right. It's more of a it's more of an equal share, and. Uh, it's it's a really really Paper lovely moon. film. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and and when you have an actor like Ben Foster, there's there's moments where and we find out more about his character that he he fought in the war. He's got PTSD. Um, obviously, authority issues. Um, but because of Foster's reputation and the films that we've seen him do before, you're kind of waiting for something to blow up. And much of the film's credit, it does not do that. Um, it doesn't turn in the first blood. Um, I kept waiting for that to happen, and I was pleasantly surprised, and it's not really a spoiler, that it, that it does not happen. So uh, it's a lovely smaller picture that's, that's being released in the summer. I think kudos, and, and you, know, you need an alternative to the summer blockbuster yes. stuff. I hope folks check this out. I hope folks remember it by the end of the year. I was uh, sidestepped a little bit. I was talking with some of the other critics about the, the first half of this year cinematically – has been pretty strong. Yeah, I think I think so too. Most of the time, we think of you know the the heavy hitting films, the stuff that's going to wind up at the end of the year, is your November, yeah. December's, and and those will be a coming. But if we can find quality stuff, and and especially in the independent film department, in the first half of the year, and we have films like some of my favorites so far this year include First Reformed, On Chesil Beach, Beast, uh, The Rider, Lean on Pete, which is now out on DVD and Blu-ray this week. Uh, Leave No Trace, the latest film version of The Seagull, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and so anyway, it's it's been a really strong first half of the year. So go go check out Leave No Trace. Nice. Now, also in a limited release, this is not getting an Indianapolis release for some reason, but it is playing up in Fort Wayne, and, and I, we'll see if there's a, a larger opening for this. But it's a film from director Susanna White called Woman Walks Ahead. And this is set in uh, 1890s. It's a Western starring Jessica Chastain as a widow who uh, the only thing she really wants to do is head west and paint a portrait of Sitting Bull. Now, this is, I believe it's based on a true story because there, there's some history that happens because it's the 1890s. Yeah. Uh, but she, uh, she winds up traveling west, and we find out that uh, anybody going west of Omaha and is female, we don't know what's, uh, what's going on. Um, so she's this kind of determined widow that she no longer has to deal with her father. She no longer has to deal with the husband. So she is an independent painter who is starting to go out of her element of uh, New York City and going out into the open wild. Um, she winds up getting some culture clash with Sam Rockwell, who uh, is a gentleman who works for the War Department. They are trying to change the – they're currently getting ready to vote on reducing provisions to the tribes out west. So uh, Kieran Hines is also in this picture as a uh, gentleman married to a Native American woman but authoritative figure and doesn't want the New York libs visiting his neck of the woods. Um, 
the film is it, it looks great, really nice uh, outdoor footage, and we get the kind of uh, you get the two people. I, I think of if last year's film uh, Victoria and Abdul, where you have uh, two different social circles working together, and that is the case with the Chastain character and Sitting Bull. When we meet Sitting Bull, he is now reduced to by his own by his own choice. Uh, being a potato farmer as opposed to a leader. And she winds up egging him and, and getting him back into that. So there's a little kind of cry freedom, like, okay, a white person has to help a person of color. To, uh, yeah, a little sick of white savior li- stuff myself. Little bit, little yeah. bit, even if, my, even if your magical white person is Jessica Chastain. Um, <laughs> but, the, but there is a good chemistry amongst those two. Yeah. Um, and a little heavy-handed at the end, but if you're into and, and Ch- Chastain's Chastain's always solid, even if maybe the material is yeah, not absolutely, yeah. So if you want, if you, I would say come for the come for the performances and suffer through the, some of the flaws of Woman Walks Ahead, and and that's really it this weekend. Um, well, there's well, I'll, there's another film opening this week, but it, it's at the drive-in, so we'll get to that. Well, no, it's also opening in theaters um, at the Tibbs Drive-in. I can't remember. Did I ask you the driving question the last time you were here? Uh, what's the driving question? When was the last driving movie you went to? Oh, gosh. Uh, can't even remember. I was okay. a kid, probably. Okay. It's terrible. I know. But uh, I, I've spent my adult life in Seattle, and there just weren't so many out I was, there. There weren't really a lot. More or less than in, in, oh, in the less. Indiana. Yeah. Less? Really? Yeah. We didn't. A lot of I woods out there. I don't even remember. Yeah. Okay. Uh, seeing one. Well, so. at the Tibbs Drive-In, uh, on screen one, you have Hotel Transylvania 3. That opened this weekend with The Incredibles 2. The Incredibles 2. Uh, screen 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Also a fun Marvel picture. Uh, Emma has now, uh, I, I give you a status. Uh, I took my daughter to see this. Paul Rudd is now in the Patrick Dempsey League oh, good, for, uh, good. for Emma. She's very excited well, about that. Well, she's correct. Yeah, yes. She, <laughs> she had, well, last thing she saw him in was Anchorman 2, and hasn't. that's not a real judge of uh, Mr. Rudd's looks. Oh, I don't know. I, I kind of like that mustache look I know on you, him. Yes, thank you, Sex Panther. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but I think <laughs> she's more used to, I think, clueless sure. and friends era Paul Rudd. A little clean uh, cut than, Paul and this, but he's yeah. anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we go off on tangents sometimes when we think about actors. Um, Ant Man and the Wasp and Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Bryce wear flats. Um, screen three, skyscraper, and the first purge. Okay, and screen four, Uncle Drew and Sicario. Dave's. So you want the kids to That's fall asleep? That's not a double feature. That's is a double it? feature. Okay, that's very odd pairing. I, I'm like same studio, that is, or guess. one for the kids and one for the yeah. Grown once they fall asleep, and then who's gonna see the old basketball movie with Sicario? With yeah, the uh, the against the cartel movies that doesn't have Emily Blunt. Okay, that's that's at the Tibbs. Uh, over at the Skyline, we have uh, Hotel Transylvania three and Jurassic World. So that's happening over there. Um, just a reminder, as a part of the Summer Night Film Series at the venue, for, uh, I'm sorry, um, New Fields. I'm still working on that, ladies and gentlemen. I will try not to refer to it as the building formerly known as the IMA. But at New Fields, uh, mark your calendars on July 20th. Being shown there, and uh, actually tonight, if you're listening to this on Saturday, July 14th, Aquila and the Bee. Uh, next Friday is not Hawaiian Shirt Day, but on July 20th, American Werewolf in London. Oh, I love that movie! One of the, I think one of the early groundbreakers for mixing horror and comedy. Absolutely. Um, Chris Lloyd and I were talking about that a little bit earlier. Chris did a wonderful column last week in the Film Yap. He has a Reeling Back film series, and last week he... Um, Shamelessly, not shamelessly, uh, declared his love for the 1972 zombie film "Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things." Dead Things. Oh no, that's a great movie. Yes. So he. Was you should not be ashamed. No, of no, no. That. It's excellent. He does not. I. Yeah. Uh, well, he knows. I love Blackula. I love all yeah. black exploitation and black exploitation horror. So no, I know exactly know where Bring he's it coming on, from. Yes. He he thinks that's where the horror comedy that we know of today starts. Um, I, I countered with the Roger Corman stuff, but I think it's more, probably more sticky than, I right? can see the evolution. It's hard to pinpoint a 
first to build. It's hard moment. to build that bridge, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, and and this is before Freddy Krueger started to do stand up by the Oy. second or third film. <laughs> anyway, so uh, American Werewolf in London on That's the twentieth, July twenty seventh. Selections from the Indie Shorts International Film Festival presented by Heartland Film. Um, from I'm I'm reading off the screen. From July 26th to 29th, Newfields is hosting the first Indie Shorts International by Heartland Film. The Oscar nominated short Oscar nominated short films to be shown include Garden Party, uh, The Silent Child, La Femme, Le TGV, Sing, and Watuwot All of Us. August 3rd is Hitch. August 10th, Pretty in Pink. Um, August 11th. Blair Witch Project. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, August 17th, Strangers on a Train. Oh, yes. yes. Pop that kid's balloon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a single entendre. She's, that's a literal. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it absolutely is literal. I love Farley Granger in that mm-hmm. so much. So good. Everyone's favorite cinematic golf bro. Mm-hmm. Tennis bro. Tennis bro. And then August 24th, The Dark Knight, and August 31st, When Harry Met Sally. So that's all this is the Summer Night Film Series. Over there. Okay. New on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, there are times, ladies and gentlemen, where uh, sometimes I will miss a film when it's in theaters. And, I, well, I will rent it and check it out. And I've, I've always said, and push, 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 um, say what you will about the your home entertainments and your technology and your darn kids. Um, there's still nothing like seeing a film in a theater. The theater is a gathering place. You know, you hope that technology and noise and rudeness goes away when you go to a theater every night. And some and some nights it is a crapshoot. But it's still, I think, the best way to go. Shared experience. Shared Absolutely. experience. So that's part of the reason why we see stuff. And this was one, I watched it, and even though I I really enjoyed it in my living room, I still have a slight bit of regret for not seeing this in the theater. I finally saw A Quiet Place. Oh. John Krasinski, who wrote, who directed and starred in it with his wife, Emily Blunt. Way to go, John. And uh, a film that I think will be remembered in the sound categories at this year's Academy Awards. Um, a family, of course, living in futurist, well, not so distant future, of uh, if sounds are made, sound monsters come and get you. That's the gist of it. Yeah. And it's it's one of the more tense films to come out this year. Mm, a lot of fun. Yeah. So, But it was one of those I would love to hear because I've heard stories of, you know, when, when some of the critics have seen it and others that the, 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 wonder, the wonder of this film was even your loudest popcorn chompers and gabbers were actually shutting up and paying attention. Right. So, right. Mr. Teller taught us that silence really commands attention. In fact, uh, since you dropped his name, uh, the Sosies got to see his co-directing uh, job of Macbeth oh, up at excellent. Chicago Shakes. Oh, it was very cool. That is wonderful. Really I'm good, jealous. Really good <laughs> use. Of, we're now in stage sociology. Sorry. But no, it's fine. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of... Uh, like at the very beginning, you have Lady M with her stillborn, and then the 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 weird sisters all surround her, and then you you we don't see it because of the surrounding. And they use this trick a few times of everybody is kind of crowded up, and she disappears, and Macbeth emerges in her place. There's that. There is a mirror which has the uh, an illusion of the dagger floating, so it doesn't have the Edward strings, that sort of thing. The ghosts that show up at the dinner party. I mean, it's really, really well done. And then when Lady M is in her can't clean, you know, can't wipe it off, and she's in a white nightgown, and as she rubs her hands, you don't see the squibs, and it just, you know, blood Fantastic. all over the white dress. And then there's a great moment where all of the stage lights on stage go red. And I leaned to Emma and went, it's Carrie at the prom. It has that <laughs> kind of homage to it. So, oh, I love it. Yeah, it was Give me some good old-fashioned stagecraft. And I mean, that's that, what they did. That's great. So that is playing. So anyway, the A Quiet Place is playing <laughs> on video. Lean on Pete, um, a grown-up man and a boy and his horse story that um, takes a – I would say if uh, if Flicko was written by Charles Dickens, that's, that's kind of Lean on Pete. So hopefully you can check that out. And uh, Criterion, this is cool. I will have to get this. Because uh, as you know, uh, throughout the month, if you go to a certain bookstore, it's not the one you used to work at. It doesn't exist the anymore. One, the, right, the one that does exist rhymes with uh, Obel. Charms and Global. Charms and Global, right. <laughs> um, you can get Criterion Disc for 50% off. Which is a great That's deal. That's a really good deal. Yeah. Well, now, That's how I got all the Kurosawa stuff. <laughs> 
Well, apparently, well, Criterion has announced that later this year, not a part of the sale, uh, later this year they're going to celebrate the 100th anniversary of Ingmar Bergman. They're going to put out a Bergman box set. Filmstruck has the Bergman stuff right now in honor. Yeah. Well, also coming out on Criterion this week, Bull Durham. I've been meaning to show my my daughter that. So. It's worth a look at. It is. It's a it's it's a romantic comedy wrapped up in what looks like a sports movie. Right. And and the less you think about Tim Robbins' pitching abilities, the better. If you could do the anti base cinematic baseball team, you also put in Anthony Perkins and Fear Strikes Out. Yeah. <laughs> little, little I'm harsh. not even a sports but gal, you can, but, but you I can tell you're like yeah. that doesn't look right. That can't be right. That's that's a little no. So anyway, those are out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. So um, shifting gears a little bit, Taffa the V is hanging out with me. Always a pleasure to have her here. Always a pleasure to be here. Um, you are. I, I appointed you costume diva. <laughs> so you, you have to have a title here at Film Sociology. Excellent. I like that diva's in my title. My okay. goodness. Well, there is that. However, I go. It goes against my grain because normally, and I I did this because I did this. Uh, my wife and I co-directed a theater camp for ten years. Um, if a if a child refers to themselves as a diva or a drama queen, that's kind of a euphemism for. Yeah. So yeah, you're a brat. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Um, but that is not the case here. So I am trying to. I would never self-describe as diva. No, because I'm like I, I'm I'm the old person. I'm like, are you involved in opera? You're not allowed to have that title. Exactly. So yeah. l- get a dictionary, folks. Anyway, um, would you please let us in on some of your favorite costume designers from back in the day? Not named Edith Head. Oh gosh, darn I, it! Because I well, I think and 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 yes, we love Edna from The Incredibles. But I think no I capes. Think that's the one name. I mean, even people who don't right. know anything about people who don't say for the closing credits, people who don't know a uh, you know a uh, best boy from a gaffer, right. and and that sort of thing. They they know a lot of people will know the name Edith Head because she's done the she, big chunk of the classic films of the She really did. Yeah. And she did all of Hitchcock's uh uh movies right. and um she had more academy awards than anyone else. Right. And um she really was her her she's laughing at Meryl Streep from The Grave. She is. She is. It's um you know she kind of created the idea of costume designer as partner to storytelling and having the research and the understanding of how garmentry communicates about a character and supports the director and the actor. As opposed to just going and drag, grabbing Correct. something that sort of eh, sort of fits, put her on her. Correct. Put it on her. And then in addition, she... Um, she influenced style uh, in in the general populace and and designers, and there was some controversy because some designers considered her to just simply rob their designs, Dior, um, and uh, and use them uh, to her own end. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that could be argued, but uh, she became a figure that was also much beloved because something that I've taken to heart as a costume designer is. She supported the actors as well and would find out what they were self-conscious about and help them get through that. And the classic example, of course, is Audrey Hepburn in um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Audrey Hepburn was... Uh, self-conscious about being so thin she did not like her uh, collarbone. The the neck show, yeah. And so that boat neck dress covered that and made her more confident. That sort of thing. She also kept her mouth shut because if you tell tales out of school because you know everything about everybody. You know that Betty Davis refuses to wear a bra. You know it's true. Yes. Betty Betty never wore support. Um, pure force the of only, will. The only support she had was in her gown with pockets, and that was gin and smokes. That's right, and that's all she needed. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, she is my favorite, and that's mm-hmm. why I've gone on a tangent about my love of her. Uh, but I think um, there's actually a great documentary, and I can't recall what streaming service it's on. Please okay. forgive me. So about Ori Kelly. Okay. Um, and that is spelled just like it sounds, Ori Kelly, mm-hmm. um, who was another great designer, uh, also known for for um, really influencing fashion and using kind of high fashion within the context of films. Um, And I think that if you are unfamiliar with costumes in film, in classic film, uh, definitely check out Ori Kelly and you will find yourself saying, oh, that one? Oh, that one? You will recognize more than than you think. Could you give some examples? Oh, gosh, off the top of my head. See, I I I, I freeze sometimes. No, you're fine, you're fine. Um, 
Ori Kelly. Ori Kelly. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's it's a great documentary. And um, currently, I'm very fond of uh, the woman. Um, what is her name? Is it Ruth E. Carter? Uh, who did uh, Black Panther? Her Afrofuturism I, I was, was remarkable. I was going to ask you. I think that's a front runner right oh, now for best be. costume design. It it's, better be. And I know because there are there are times I think if it looks the busiest or and because there, there's a balance of that there's something that looks really extravagant or really creative um i remember my father i, I don't know my my father and I, I was watching the academy awards and my dad made fun i think it was chariots of fire mm -hmm. i can't remember chariots of fire or gandhi but it was one of those that really shorts or just a, a sheet of, because but, it's accurate right you know it's... but but i think but, but i think it seems like the busier or more elaborate it seems, it seems like the, like Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, well, that's terrific. Yeah, yeah that's so. a great example. I think that oftentimes the awards actually go to what I personally find rather dull, uh, which is historic. Uh, it's a big fancy it's, dress. Oh, sure. oh, look, it's a big fancy so like, dress. So, a lot so of big a fancy yeah, so a film that like a modern film couldn't it would not have a shot. Usually, uh, it goes to period pieces. Uh, you will find that often. Um, mm. But I am hopeful about Black Panther because not only did her costume support the world building that was created within that universe, um, but she did both historical and cultural investigation that was supported with this sort of um, slightly sci-fi bent to it, mm -hmm. you know, this, and, and she terms it Afrofuturism, which I think is exactly wonderful and perfect. Um, it looked like a million bucks. It looked right and reasonable mm -hmm. uh, on the screen for those characters, which is great. And it's absolutely indelible. You see it and you know those yep. pieces in your head. And I'm sure there, are, bo there are boutiques globally. That have now put out uh, a the Black gentleman who uh, created one of the silk scarves that was worn in it um, was just sort of a, a young designer, and all of a sudden he blew up and couldn't even get the factory in Italy <laughs> to make them fast enough. And I love hearing stories like cool. that. Yeah. Okay, Ori Kelly. Sorry, gang. We no, were a little good. let's, let's go back. Okay, yeah. here we go. So. Um, his designs were also seen in films uh, Universal, Archeo, 20th Century. He won three Academy Awards for Best Costume Design for An American in Paris, Lay Girls, and Some Like It Hot. Aww. And was nominated for a fourth for Gypsy. Sure. Yeah. Um, I love a musical. <laughs> worked on many films now considered classics, including 42nd Street, The Maltese Falcon, Casablanca, Arsenic No Lace, Harvey... Okay, you made a face on arsenic. You made you no, made a, I love a, a, that you movie. made a no yeah. face. I mean, but uh, tell how, how tell us about the costumes of arsenic no lace. Oh well, they're they're great because you have these two sort of dotty old ladies, mm -hmm. um, in their dotty old lady outfits, and then you contrast that with the impeccably handsome Carrie. Grant. Oh, yes. And uh, it's really kind of delightful with his sharp cut things. And then they're um, sort of old fashioned. And let's see, what year was that movie made? Uh, oh, 44. forgive me, 44. So you have to imagine that old ladies in 1944 right. were wearing things that were old fashioned. And so you get some really terrific old school, uh, fluffy, lacy, doily kinds of things. And yet they murder people. And it's completely <laughs> delightful. Yeah. By the way, both ladies, both of them, nine years younger than Cary Grant. No, I'm kidding. That's no, a bit. That's, that's not That's true. a regular yes. bit. <laughs> Hello, North by Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Harvey, Oklahoma, Auntie Mame. Um, let's see. So, yeah. So th those are the ones he's known for. Um, yeah. And then there's a uh, Gillian Armstrong documentary called uh, Women He's Undressed. That's, that's the picture, yeah. I think. So, oh, my gosh. Now I have the whole list. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. I'm not rattling all these off. This is a no. lot. But uh, he was an influential designer and somebody who is not Edith Head. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Good. absolutely. He's, he's uh, terrific. And, and it's a, a delightful documentary to check out as well. So there you go. So see, education. This is your Pledge Dollars Gosh, at work it. right here. Okay. We are going to shift gears once again. So uh, if you go on to uh, PBS or WFYI.org, we have a campaign going called The Great American Read. And what, it, what has happened, uh, there was a poll taken amongst author, I think authors and listeners and regular folk, and they have put out a list of 100 book titles. And then you are supposed to vote and, and I guess, choose your favorite book. So 
like lists, like, you know, when there is a list, there is, of course, areas where you can point out and say that's great. And then other areas you can look, point at the list and go, never. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Yeah. And, well, I guess this is that portion of the show. Yeah. And I, I've been asked by folks here in the building if I – and I, I did it a little bit on Curious Mix, but about some of the – maybe some of the page-to-stage adaptations right. of some of these films – or some of these books, sorry. Um, all right, I'm going to get my snarkiness out of the way. Um, Noel Moore Leonard. No, yeah. No Walter Mosley. No Mickey Spillane, no... Uh, there were some no considerable G- gaps No Jim Thompson, here. no uh, Dashiell Hammett. Right. Okay. See, I, I feel you. Okay. And then there's Twilight on there. And Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, forget I, you're try- I get that you're trying to cover the gambit of uh, literature. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that we're talking about this, though, because we originally met in the book world yes, and bonded over film stuff. So yes. this is sort of perfect. So I guess from a from a book standpoint, my mm-hmm. dear, um, what are some of your favorites on this list? Some of my favorites that were books. Oh, my gosh. A Prayer for Owen Meany. What a wonderful, wonderful book. And yet, what a garbage adaptation. Uh, the book made me cry because I was attached to the characters, and that garbage adaptation made me cry because it was your garbage. I love your loud whisper of garbage. I'm sorry. No, that's great. Um, so, yeah, that one, uh, very mixed feelings because the text is one thing and yet the film, which, what was the title of that? It was a different title. I will find out. I do not recall. Uh, I am old, so you must forgive me. Oh, stop. Um, You're old. I'm ancient. Well, we are all ancient ruins. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's see. 1984, of course. I love that book. More prescient than ever. You mean the documentary? Yeah, the documentary of our life now. Uh, But I love the movie adaptation that came out in 1984 as well. Richard Burton, John Hurt. Um, Michael Radford directed that. And there was much controversy over that Eurythmics soundtrack that was used in it, which I didn't know uh, until much later. Oh, um. Yeah, a prayer for Owen Me apparently doesn't do much on the marquee, so they renamed the film. The, they called the film Simon Birch. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can be honest here. Correct? Yes, we, yes. Uh, and Alice in Wonderland is a very important book for me personally. Uh, I love it so much. I've reread it every year forever. That, that's the book that does not have breakdancing Johnny Depp. That's correct. <laughs> uh, I really, really, uh, even though I am an old goth lady, uh, I hated the Tim Burton version. <laughs> Although I did think that Mia, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her last it's name, Wasikowska? Gesundheit. Forgive. She's good. She was excellent, but the movie I did not like. Well, and that's one of those, and there's a number of books in here that like PBS or BBC every decade every generation tends to make their own version of it I remember yeah. you know, there was a TV movie version in the 80s and there was a British version film version in the 60s there's a 1915 you... version right. that is the creepiest most delightful film uh, and you can see it on YouTube closer in tone uh, yes, absolutely, because it keeps the darkness mm-hmm. and the strangeness of it without amping up any sort of cutesy factor. Um, and, of course, it's silent, um, so, you know, it's it's really very good. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Dune. Uh, again, please refer to the John Irving book, Prairie and Meany. Book, great. <laughs> Film, garbage. What about the, uh, the cable? They did a cable miniseries. Oh, I didn't see that. The one with William Hurt. Yeah, you have oh, to look into that. I will look into that's that. Always a, that's always one that's always being discussed that they're going to reboot. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, that's rough. Okay, and then here's one, because we're going alphabetically, okay. that um, I have to throw in here. Okay. Uh, Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Anders. Here's the thing. I always wanted to read it as a preteen. I never did because it was forbidden. And currently, I'm reading it with my two smartest friends and writing a zine about it. So okay. I'm excited about that, and I will watch the movie after I read it. Now, because there is there is the film from the '80s with uh, Louise Fletcher, and I know they just made a miniseries yes. Victoria Tennant and Heather Graham. Yeah, and yeah, I remember as I think we are of a similar age range. But yeah, B.C. Andrew novels were you were not to touch those. Oh, yeah, they forbidden. was for, forbidden literature. 
And um, but I, I always knew a lot of maybe I think a lot of suburban moms had these paperbacks in their house. All the sort of tough girls that I looked at and admired from afar um, uh-huh. read it. They all got it from older sisters, and they were the kind of girls who wore lipstick and had older boyfriends and stuff. This so was I was before intrigued. They, this was before they dug into D.H. Lawrence, right? Yeah, <laughs> now, I was reading the D.H. Lawrence, oh, okay. so you know, uh, different naughty. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Frankenstein. Uh, you know, I love the old Universal Pictures. Uh, I think that's terrific. Um, I love the story because a 19-year-old girl bored with her housemates for the weekend <laughs> invented science fiction. And I so believe I love there, there is a biopic about Mary Shelley that came out this year. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Uh, neither have I. Uh, but uh, there's also um, that newer version. Um, it was, what is it, two, uh, 2015, uh, Victor Frankenstein? Yeah. The one with cute little Harry Potter in it. <laughs> um, I really liked that. Really? I did. I thought A it was A proper fun. origin story? Oh, you know, I think that it... It takes off from the original text. It is not, you know, faithful to the original text. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's a good movie. It was not only entertaining and dark and fun, but it, I felt like it was a fresh look at the story. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. We don't have feather hair Kenneth Branagh rolling no, around in goop. We don't. With De Niro. Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> Garbage. Then it turns. Then it turns into Kate Fear in the last third. So bad. I hated that one. <laughs> Um, the Godfather. Now, we could talk all day about The Godfather, so... Well, like, there's a pregnancy we don't want to talk about in that, and some other things we don't talk about in that exactly. one. Exactly, yeah, But, yeah, but yeah. yeah, that is that is another... I mean, that's one from my day of, a, a, I think, a really strong adaptation. Absolutely. Um, and still trying to get Emma to, to watch that. And Gone Girl. I've been meaning to show Dad-Daughter Day with oh, Gone Girl. Oh, I was going to say, is that, is yeah. that the one you're going to introduce well, her to next? That's terrific. Well, that was not... I mean, it, it would not be her first Fincher film by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, but yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like that one. Um, another example of stuff that's done like every 10 years, Great Expectations, sure. The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Um, Wuthering Heights has been done several times. A, yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah. Um, Grapes of Wrath. Hello, John Ford. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, of course, Handmaid's Tale, which I'm a white guy and I just haven't gotten around to watching that series yet. And I dig Elizabeth Moss. Okay. Let's talk about a couple oh, things oh here. Oh, boy. Am I in trouble? Or... <laughs> a little bit. Oh, because I I believe that as a white guy who loves the, women. You mean the oppressed. It's, it's, shut it's been your a rough, face. It's been a rough two years. So it's been a rough two years for the white male. Sit down <laughs> and shut your face, Mr. Sosie. Yes, I know sir. that you're being sarcastic, but <laughs> you still need to shut it on that. I have my sarcastic um, sign. I believe that. Yeah, there, there's actually a sign over his yep. head. Uh, I believe that it is your responsibility to read this and to watch this and to understand that this is our reality and that you must help in supporting our mission to avoid this further descent. You're getting 70 cents on the dollar. What more do you want? All right. I'm going to read right I'm kidding. My God. Only because I love you. Only because I love you. Oh, gosh. Heart, uh, how about it's good. The, the adaptation from Heart of Darkness to Apocalypse oh, Now. Yeah. Not to mention there was also a 90s, uh, t- I think it was TNT, did Heart of Darkness with Tim oh, Roth and John Malkovich. Oh, and it's I would set love to in, see yeah, that. It's, and it's the old ivory out. trade thing. So. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I love Apocalypse Now. Um, you know, it's a tough watch, but it's really good. And the documentary about Hearts the making of, of it. Yes. One of the best films about filmmaking. Without question. Um, and I'm a big fan of films about filmmaking, particularly yep. when the directors go mad. I have an entire list, <laughs> and I love them. Um, Island of Lost Souls. Uh, uh, what's the day for night? Yeah. Well, well yeah. Uh, you know, smaller oh, version of that. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so yeah. So you keep going through here. Um, Jane Eyre is the one they do every ten years. Um, the Invisible Man, which always gets lumped as a universal horror film, it's a thriller. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's a killer. He's a murderer. He he just happens to, to be invisible. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I would. Uh, not so much a monster. Well, it's that fine line between killer and monster, I guess. The, the mad versus the actual monster. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Lord of the Rings is still ending. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. One that I'm really glad made this list, and I really enjoy it, and, and I actually like both versions for different reasons, but Essie Hinton's The Outsiders. <gasps> okay, see, I have that on here, too. I love the book. I love the movie. Um, I think it's terrific. I will say, though, that I, as far as Essie Hinton adaptations, I do prefer 
uh, Coppola's Rumblefish. I do like Rumblefish. Because he said that it was supposed to be an art movie for kids. And I was a kid. I was a teenager when it came out yep. because I'm a thousand years old. Oh, stop. And um, I really loved it then. And I rewatched it recently. And gosh it, darn what it, a, it holds up. What a great so double. Good. And what a great contrasting double feature. The Absolutely. Fact that he made these back-to-back in Tulsa yes. with a lot of the same cast and crew. And one is... I, I've, I've referred to Coppola as an operatic director. Yeah. The Godfathers. Accurate. And Apocalypse Now and, and The Outsiders, definitely. Uh, in Cotton op- Club. Cotton Club. Def- and they're all operatic stories. Yes. And, and it's glowing and golden because mm-hmm. you have to stay gold. Stay golden, and, Penny and, Boy. Yeah, it's all, that's all there. And then, yeah, you have this black and white almost navel-gazing uh, oh, with look the at soundtrack by um, Stuart Copeland. Thank you. And uh, it is a great contrast. And it is the, the Essie Hinton novel turn in the films that ruined the John Hughes films for me. Yes. I, 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 I could not fully buy in to the suburban fairy tales that Correct. were happening in the mid-'80s. I'm sorry. I don't care if The Breakfast Club's on Criterion. I wrote a whole zine about that. Right. Uh, I understand. And so so you have The Outsiders, and then yes. uh, a while back they had a video release of The Outsiders, the complete novel, which has the original beginning and the original end and the uh, rock soundtrack, which normally I would like from the era, um, but I kind of like Carmine's score. That goes with it because it's a cinematic. It, it score, is a yeah. cinematic, uh, you know, epic score, yeah. and that that I think that complements the film more than music from the era. And I and agree. the op- the opening scene is one of is when the the Sochas chase after Pony Boy at the movie or yeah at the movies, and then which really happens. Sorry, this happens in real life. Sorry, the end of the Breakfast Club, but when Cherry will not acknowledge him in school. Absolutely. Sorry. That's a great yeah great great movie uh, worth a look at. I think it gets forgotten a lot because it teen movie. Uh, and it doesn't really fit that bill, but uh, definitely check that one yep. out. Yep, and and yeah, just a a treasure trove of young up and coming actors. Leif Garrett and Matt Dillon and Leif Garrett were the two big names right. in that group at that time. And yeah, prescient casting uh, because mm-hmm. everybody, beca- uh, Mickey Rourke, little baby Mickey Rourke. And uh, yeah, it, <laughs> well, and yeah, he had, he he was still he still has. He still had his original face. Face, yes. Sorry. That's, no, that's, that's all right. I loved his original You face. were talking earlier, you were talking off screen, uh, off screen, off air <laughs> about uh, Rebecca. Yes. Uh, that's one of my favorite books. I reread it every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Manderley in Flames. Uh, and uh, the film adaptation, it's Hitchcock, uh, but it's, if you've only seen sort of the big Hitchcocks, the, the it's, psychos it's of the prob- world, it's, it's not... No- Yes, like it's not nobody. I think if you were to rattle off Hitchcock films, it would probably make it in the lower lower right. half of maybe the lower teens or upper, you know, the first maybe five through ten. But oh my goodness, it is excellent. The acting is fantastic, mm-hmm. and if you um, understand a little of the subtext of the time and how they were communicating certain things without being able to communicate them. See the celluloid closet. Correct. See the celluloid closet. It's just, um, it's a terrific movie, and it holds up against uh, not only watching it now with contemporary eyes, but uh, against multiple watchings. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a joy. Uh, another thing that's done every ten years, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Everybody picks their Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> Not your, never got into Austin. Okay, um, you're, you're an thing. old goth lady. I'm, so. I'm an old goth lady, uh, but I, I, it's a thing I don't like to utter around my book friends because Uh-oh. as a lady who reads books, you're supposed to love Jane Austen, and honestly, I don't love it. <laughs> okay, uh, I find her a bit of a snooze. Uh, <laughs> forgive me, throw me out of the book ranks, but. That's right. You'll be you'll be the one up against the wall with the cigarette. That's right. <laughs> That's your girl. <laughs> yes, dear. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird, another oh, great well, one-hit wonders. Perfect book, perfect movie. Yes. I mean, you can't have any complaints about either of them. Um, War and Peace. Whether you mentioned Wuthering Heights, yeah. uh, Red, where the Red Fern grows. That's another one. I think it's always done every twenty or thirty years. Yeah, uh, kind of classics that that get done. Um, the Stand. Now that is one of my favorite Stephen King books. I think the adaptation uh, that I remember um, that was like a miniseries was okay, didn't do it justice. My favorite adaptation of a Stephen King is Carrie. Yeah, yeah. I'm still – Poor Carrie White. I will use – I will always use the example of 
the shining of being the exception to the rule of I'm gonna just take this and take it over here. Yeah. There are always exceptions to it. If you if you go buy the book literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. or like the Robert Altman school of eh, the book's a guide. Yeah, and uh, you know, and if you it's an if inspiration you, right. rather than. And yeah. if you don't believe me, watch Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, and then watch the miniseries of The Shining, screenplay by Stephen King. You will see what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And uh, the Stanley Hotel in the Kubrick is not the real Stanley Hotel where Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen King stayed and wrote it. uh, But the one in the miniseries is. And I have stayed there. Have you? In that room that doesn't have a room number because everybody always steals it. Did you check? Sadly, there were no ghosties or no, anything. No, nobody in the bathtub? I really wanted no there to twins. be like a strange bear and, <laughs> you know, like... Lovely party. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, they need to be corrected. Um, but I... Yeah, no, we can't. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, I wanted there to be those things and there weren't. But it was a lovely hotel. Did I, you throw a tennis recommend. ball around the <laughs> no, I, I, I think they frown on That's that. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they do. The neighbors would. <laughs> well, at least. Speak, speaking of The Shining, um, one that's on this list actually is above it, near near the top, is uh, Ready Player One, which the film version. I guess one of the biggest changes, and I and I've not read it, but I know that um, they go into a world of a because really it's kind of a, a commercial for Warner Brothers. Um, in the book, the 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 group wanders into war games. But mm-hmm. for the film, because it's Warner Brothers, they're in the Overlook Hotel. Right. So actually, that I think that worked out pretty good in their favor. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I think it's a little bit thin, and I'm a little bit uh, choked with dude nostalgia. <laughs> um, y'all have enough space. She's uh, pointing I, at me, by yeah, the way. No, I just, uh, generally speaking. The, the oppressed, uh, yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> Mr. So, so what, all right. So, so what would be, how how would you do a female version of Ready Player One? Um, well, I I actually but you got eight minutes. Uh, that's all right. No, I can. I I wrote um, about this uh, recently, actually. And uh, where can people read this? On my website www.taffetav.com. And uh, there is a zine on there uh, called Girls on Film. Uh, And it was sort of, honestly, I cranked it out as a response to Ready Player One and being choked with dude nostalgia. Um, Not everybody likes the same things. And a lot of times, ladies' stories uh, or other people's stories Mm -hmm. get paved over. And so this one was all about my love of certain 80s movies that were influential to me and that I loved deeply but are not talked about. So we have Foxes, Ah, um, which was the first time I had really seen the stories of young women treated with gravitas. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's it's a little Uh, soft focus. It looks like porn or pretty baby. That's because it's directed by Adrian Adrian Lyne, who gave us Fatal Fatal Attraction, Nine and a Half Weeks, and the the Lolita from the 90s. But it's very very good. Okay. Uh, it's Cherry Curry and um, Jodie Foster, uh, Jodie Foster who's wonderful. Yep. That's a yeah, um, good choice. It's it's excellent. Right. And see, I watched it a million times. It's unknown to so many people because our stories are paved over with yours. Um, <laughs> so, is Times Square on that list? Times Square, Yay! that's my movie. Right. Um, that one uh, was the biggest deal to me. It introduced me to everything that made me who I am now. Wow. Um, because if we contrast uh, it to earlier movies, uh, it showed a grittier side to things. It showed um, young women in love. It showed music that I had uh, you know, I was 10. DJ by Tim Curry. Tim Curry. It's that kind of night. It's that kind of feeling. Um, and uh, it introduced me to a lot of things that became very important to me. So that's an enormous one. The movies of John Waters, again, made me feel like I had a place in the world. Good segue in a moment, by the way. Excellent. Uh, and um, uh, certainly um, uh, Amy Heckerling's uh, uh, Fast Times. Uh, was a big one, too, because, again, it was uh, a young woman's story, even though it's written by a dude. Uh, but Oh, really? You think you think the Phoebe Cates slow-mo thing? That right. was like, <laughs> that, that, that's a dude thing. Guys but, are like, I love that scene. You know, it's a, it's a great movie uh, about uh, forthright, strong Jennifer, young woman. Jennifer Jason Lee goes through quite a bit in that, folks. Never she, forget that. She does. And, you know, if you're watching the TV edits, I will not spoil, but I will simply say... See the theatrical version, and you will understand more uh-huh. um, about what I'm talking about. And those were the movies, rather than the John Hughes movies, that spoke to me. They're a little darker. 
Yeah. They're a little more Grittier, grown. Gr- grittier. Um, yeah, and they're a little more uh, artistic, forgive me. And the songs won't be played on the radio or MTV nine times a day. Yeah, nobody's dressing up and going to fake proms uh, with those songs and things. Um, and the guys who think that they're so nice that they can pursue a woman forever and actually get her um, oh. don't happen in these movies, so it's delightful. Hi, Ducky. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Although I do like Ducky's fashion sense. <laughs> I dressed like Ducky for years. <laughs> so when there's when there's an organized commercial 80s party, you're that lady. I am. I am that lady. Wait, who are you? Yeah. And then you yeah. have to. And it's you, true. Actually, do you carry a DVD copy of Foxes just to bop people on the head with it? I have a copy of it, and I have a copy of Times Square, which was out of print forever. You don't know what I had to do to get it. We'll talk later. Yeah. All right. Good segue. Because, John Waters. Yes, because uh, we we raise a glass and pay tribute to actor Tab Hunter, who passed away on Sunday at the age of eighty six. And this is a I didn't plan this. This just happened that way. I can't explain it. But it, it the documentary, the really cool documentary about him, Tab Hunter Confidential from twenty fifteen, has been in net, has been floating around in Netflix for for a long time. And Sunday morning, not knowing that he had died, I didn't because uh, like the the world didn't really know until Monday morning. Yeah. I actually sat down and watched Tab Hunter Confidential, Synchronicity, real and other police albums. But um, it's a really I'm I'm really glad he got to tell his story. Yeah. You know, this was uh, one of the, you know, he was one of the archetype 50s blonde surfer pretty boy closeted and, you know, kind of went through the system and everything that you, you know, was the, the studio hooked him up with Natalie Wood. He even had his own arrest that got covered over. And, you know, then the parts yeah. kind of dried up and he was just working whenever that he studio could. studio system, man. Yeah, Whew. studios. Yeah. Studios. Remember, this is the studios that gave uh, Judy Garland pills at a young age and and Elizabeth Taylor and Liza Minnelli. And everybody. Y'all suck. They so. were all just cogs in the machine to make money. And for us, well, for me, I know, and I'm sure you were, Tab Hunter got a second life. Absolutely. In the early 80s, late 70s, because he got to work with John, John Waters, Waters and Divine in Polyester. And he re-teamed with Divine again in the Paul Bartel-directed Lust in the Dust, yeah. a Western, a film that has Divine and Lainey Kazan as siblings. Which is oddly wonderful. It is. It is um, a. It's not a his, John Waters movie. No, but it. And, but, but it's it, a fun movie. It's from the director of Eating Raul. Right. This is his follow up to that. And yeah, he also appeared in Greece too. Whatever. But but uh, I mean, it was a it was a cool little resurgence. And yeah. and and in the documentary, you hear Waters talk about this was the first quote unquote movie star I actually had to direct in a film. Yeah. And uh, had wonderful chemistry with Divine, and kind of went uh, fearless. Into the John Waters world. Really, and if you think about somebody who was pitched as a teen idol so long ago and in that studio system. Number one song and was in a number of films, Damn Yankees, among others. Diving into a John Waters world. That's courage, and that's lovely, and I really enjoyed that. So you have to check out. It's on. I believe it's Netflix. I think so. Yeah. Tab Hunter Confidential, and then check Good out. Movie. And then check out Polyester. And if you can find Lust in the Dust, I, I think that might be out of print it as might well. Be. But uh, but his partner, re- who was younger and was a studio executive, I mean, fought tooth and nail to get Lust in the Dust made. That is not a film for everybody. And the fact no. that it was done, <laughs> it was done in the early '80s when. Smaller films were being hard to be harder to be made by the studios because they wanted bigger and louder and yeah. more money. And so one of these days I'm going to actually write blogs if I get paid for it um, about the smaller films in the in the blockbuster world, especially oh. those late 70s, early 80s. I films. would read that blog. Thank you. I'll work on that. So clicks. See, pay right. him because he's going to get clicks. Once more, please plug the website. My website is www. Taffetav.com, and that's T-A-F-F-E-T-A-V.com. Ladies and gentlemen, here's some words to live Silent by. Silent breed is people! Zardoz has spoken. Money Penny, always a pleasure to have you in studio. So lovely to be here. All right, so go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, Michigan. We'll end out with a little piece of music. You'll understand why.
They say for every boy and girl there's just one love in this whole world and I know I found mine The heavenly touch of your embrace tells me no one could take your place ever in my heart Young love I can't believe you let her watch Manos. <laughs> Is she scarred for life? Let's put it this way. What parent are you? <laughs> when I wake her up, I vocalize the theme to wake her up to get oh, her ready to school. Oh, you're a terrible father. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live!